You know, there's an entire industry today because of social media and how easy it is to say something that's wrong or inappropriate or not true. There's an entire industry called reputation management. Now, it's been around for a long time in a different form. Reputation management was usually your public relations firm or in some cases your attorney, that person who came behind and kind of swept up and cleaned up the ideas. Uh, the mob has always had what they called a, a cleaner and they do a whole different thing. But the concept is always the same, and that is for the leader to have their hands washed clean of whatever went afoul, whatever went wrong, whether they did it wrong or somebody else did it wrong, there was always someone to kind of come in and sweep up behind the leader so that the leader was able to maintain a good image, keep them in a good light, manage their reputation. That's what reputation management is all about. And that's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And there are a lot of people, especially young in leadership, who feel like my success is directly tied to what other people think of me. So their, their willingness to take a risk, it's kind of minimized. Unless, unless they feel like, the reputation they want to have is of a bad boy or a bad girl, and there, there are other words that they use for that, but that idea that I am willing to do anything, you can't intimidate me, that notion has a really strange fascination for a lot of people who are young in leadership. But there's also this idea that if I'm afraid the opinion of others will destroy me, i.e. cancel culture, or it will just be bad for business, then I will behave a certain way in order to stay within the realm of those expectations. I will manage my behavior so that the opinion of others isn't negative against me. I will manage my behavior. I will do the things that are expected of me so that others won't think poorly of me. Now, really what that means is that you're a, a people pleaser. You're doing everything you can to satiate the opinion of others. You're living on the opinion of others. You're allowing the opinion of others to drive your behavior. And in the way of social and cultural mores, there's a lot of good in that, but everything in that isn't good. There's a lot of good in that, but everything in that isn't good. See, there are a lot of new opinions, if you will, about what a culture should be, what a society should look like, what a, a neighborhood should look like. Uh, one of the things that fascinates me, and, and if you look at, I believe it's under the, the Green New Deal, there's an urban development plan that talks about how housing should be laid out. Now, here's the philosophy or the theory behind it. The philosophy is when you look at most major metropolitan areas, whether you're talking about Detroit in the 60s through the 90s, or you're talking about Dallas in the, the 40s through the 2000s, there's this phrase called gentrification. Gentrification is the idea that people who live in part A of town and people who live in part B of town have intentionally separated themselves from each other and that the more money you make, the further you get from downtown. Now, the philosophy of gentrification is a reality. It, it usually says that as I increase my income, increase my education, increase my job opportunities, I want to increase my standard of living. 
And the quality of housing in certain parts of town is not the same as the quality of housing. The size of the house, the size of the yard, the, the way that the neighbors upkeep their yard, the, the strict city codes or HOA codes. And the further you move from downtown, the higher those standards get in most cases. That's not always true, but in many cases it is. And part of it has to do with the fact that people who have a higher opinion of themselves tend to take better care of their stuff. Which means when you surround yourself in a community of people who drive nice cars and they keep their cars clean and they don't keep junk cars in their, in their yard and, and they don't have things broken down all around them, then generally speaking, and this is why HOAs have laws and cities have code enforcement about people leaving cars on jack stands in their front yard for years at a time, all of those things <clears throat> point to the opinion you have of yourself and the opinion that others have of you. So if the quality of your neighborhood, the quality of your house is continually upgraded with your mindset, with your income, with your education, with your opportunities in life, then you're going to see a change in the standards of your living. Well, under the Green New Deal and other urban development philosophies, the idea that there's crime in Section A of town, the place where People live when they're starting out, they live when they're broke, they live when they don't have much, and when they have, generally speaking, a very low opinion of themselves, that they are there because the other places are too expensive and they haven't been given opportunity. But if they lived in those nicer places, then their mindset would change. The reality is many of them don't choose to live in those places because the standards are so strict. The expectations are very high, and the narrative they have of themselves doesn't match the narrative of that neighborhood. So what do you do? Well, according to some of the geniuses, and I use that term loosely, who have crafted the bills like the New Green Deal, these ideas say what we need to do is build a neighborhood where the multi-million dollar homes are in the center of the neighborhood and the next outer ring of that neighborhood is the middle class and the next outer ring of that neighborhood is like the, the Section 8 apartments and the what we would call the projects in older cities like, say, Philadelphia. And so we'll actually literally and intentionally surround the upper crust of society with the next level down and down and down and down until we get to the place where they all live in the same community and then their mindsets will change. I'm not sure that that's working. I have seen now several of those communities, even right here in Dallas-Fort Worth, where they've actually built multi-million dollar homes with their own clubhouse and their own marina and their own lake and their own sailing clubs and their own golf courses, and then immediately came in behind that in the same community, in the same zip code, same entry gate, and built not multi-million dollar, but you know, a couple of hundred thousand dollar homes, and then some apartments that have both Section 8 and full price uh, apartments in them. And so you see quite a blend of culture and society going in and out of the gate of this community. And they made the lake that is the private lake for the multi-million dollar homes a public lake, so anybody in the area can come to that lake. Now, how you manage the opinion that others have of you. That is an enormous factor in leadership. It's also an enormous factor in your own self-worth. And you manage the opinion others have of you and the opinion you have of yourself through the narrative, through the story that you tell yourself when you look in the mirror. The things that come out of your mouth indicate to the world what you believe about you.
It's just a fact. The things that you say when you depict a conversation that you've had with somebody else, the way that you illustrate what they've had to say about you and to you, and the way that you responded to them, tells a lot about the character of who you are, what your values are, what your moral compass is driven by, what your motivations are. All of those things are revealed in the little tiny stories that you tell. I know you don't believe that that's true, but I want you to start listening for that, especially if you're a leader, because the people around you, well, they do the same thing. Everybody who works for you, everybody that you're in competition with, every business leader on earth that is a human tells the stories of the encounters they've had with other people. Maybe it's a sales transaction. Maybe it was when they bought the company they run now. Maybe it was how they worked their way up from being the dishwasher to being the head chef of the restaurant to owning the restaurant chain. Whatever that story is, in the nuances of that narrative, they're shaping the opinions that others have of them. They're shaping the opinions they have of themselves. And while I do believe that we shouldn't live or die by the opinions of others, that we shouldn't allow their opinion to determine our self-worth, I am simultaneously thoroughly convinced that the narrative that you tell about yourself, the stories that you tell about you, to you in the mirror and to others in conversation, helps people to shape their opinion of you. Or you shouldn't make all the decisions in your life based on somebody else's opinion. There are social and cultural barriers that help us to figure out what it means to be within the norm in society. We can't just walk around slapping people at random because it feels good to us. There are social norms that people would have an opinion about you that you're not a nice guy to be around. But there are also opinions that others have of you that are completely unfounded. It's their own emotional overreaction to something that you've said or done, or maybe just the color of your face or your hair. And if that's the case, then you making decisions in your life based on their flippant opinions, well, that's just silly and it's unproductive. There's nothing good to come of it. I want you to remember, though, that every story that you tell, every sales story, every marketing story, every story that you tell creates the opinion that others hold of you. And if you don't have a reputation management company to come behind you and sweep up your ideas that are faux pas, your behavior that is risque or off-color or off-putting, your brand images, your tweets, if you don't have somebody to manage those things for you to say, yeah, let's not publish that, or well, you probably shouldn't have said it like that. If you don't have that person on your team, then understand that you will be both benefiting from and paying the price for the narrative that comes out of your mouth or your fingers, as the case may be. Those things that you say, those stories that you tell, they shape the opinions that others have of you. That's both an advantage and a disadvantage. The advantage is that gives you the control of the narrative that others tell about you. You maintain the control because you manage the narrative. You get to decide what you say about you. Now, if you look in the mirror every day and you say, I'm fat and unlovable, you're going to live like you're fat and you're unlovable, which means you're probably not going to manage your diet or take good care of yourself, and people might have the opinion that you're a fat slob. It also might mean that you look in the mirror and say, I'm fat and unlovable, and you become an unlovable person. You become the kind of person nobody wants to hang out with. Everybody's going to avoid you, which means even though you may not say it to them, you have internally already sabotaged the relationship because you believe 
about yourself that you're unlovable. Therefore, why would anybody love you? Why would anybody like you? Why would anybody want to hang out with you? Because you've convinced you through the management of your narrative that you're not worth hanging out with. Now, if you're a leader, you know that there's somebody in your organization who kind of lives in this cycle. They've already demonstrated the self-loathing. They may be perfectly competent at the job that they have. They do a phenomenal job. They're excellent in their job skills. But their personal life skills, their relationships, their even interpersonal relationships with people in the workplace is a train wreck. And if you sit down with them and listen for a while, you'll probably hear some stories about self-loathing. You'll hear some things that they have to say about how they don't really like themselves. Oh, they're good at their job, but they don't like the person that they are. It's time for you to get them a coach. I think story power is a great way to do that because those stories that you tell, they manage the opinion you have of yourself and the opinion that others have of you. But a life coach who can walk through the problems that they're denying and the, and the issues that they've been sweeping under the carpet for years, that kind of person can make a huge difference in their life as well. A performance coach for the job, if they're doing excellent at that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But don't ignore the fact that happy employees are better employees than happy employees that are better employees are more productive employees. So if you think they're doing great now with excellent competence at their job, imagine what they'd be like if they were happy. Uh, also, managing that story has a negative, and that is that it can be manipulated. In the same way that you might hire a PR firm or a public image firm or a public management, reputation management firm, you might create a narrative about yourself that's absolutely false. I think we've all met someone who tells a story about themselves and when you start digging into it, whether it's the fake resume or it's the first night on the date after you've been through the dating app and on the dating app, everything looks wonderful. And after 15 minutes in person, when they were like, you lied about this and this and this and this and this and they've come to believe that the management of the narrative means, well, it's like a filter on TikTok. I can just add whatever layers I want and create the reality that I want to live in. They believe that they live in the metaverse already and they can just make up whoever they want to be. And it's not true because those things will eventually come to light and you will be found out. And when you're found out, you'll look like a bigger fool than you would have been if you were just natural in your own environment to begin with. If, if you could just tell the truth about you and then live up to the truth that you know to be true. That sounded like some kind of Dr. Zeus nursery rhyme, didn't it? But the reality is, if you give a man a fine reputation to live up to, he will. Leaders, you have the power to manage the narrative, not just in your own life, not just for your company, but for the people who work for you. The things that you say to them, the same things that you say about them, they will change the behavior that they have. They will change the opinion they have of themselves and eventually the opinion that others have of them. John Maxwell says, see everyone as a 10. What he means by that is set that expectation high. Deliver that standard of reputation for them before they even get started so that you have an expectation that they're going to be great people and you treat them not where they are, but what you would treat them like if they were great people, if they were the best performer in your company. Treat them like that already. Even if they're just getting started, treat them as if they're the best employee you have and they're the greatest people in the world. And by treating them that way, you're managing the narrative that will shape the opinion others have of them and of you. 
It's a powerful technique when you learn to master that. The way that you speak to others will change who they are. Now, let me close with this one last thought. A lot of people have asked, because I spent nearly 20 years in sales and marketing at a Fortune 50 company and, and other smaller companies, entrepreneurial startups, etc., and even political campaigns. And they ask me, you know, what is the right color scheme for me? What is the right logo design for me? What is, what is the right brand impression? How do I create that brand impression? And I believe there are probably experts out there who have a totally different opinion than I do about that. Let me summarize your best brand impression in a single statement. I don't believe that brand has anything to do with color and logos, while those all contribute to it. All of those things are fanciful ideas that lead people to believe because I drive a Lamborghini, therefore I'm rich, not I'm in debt. Or I, I drive a Lamborghini, therefore I am rich, not rented. Uh, those are all impressions that you can create and they're not much different than a TikTok filter. But none of that is your brand. Your brand is this. Your brand is what others say about you when you walk out of the room. That's it. The opinion that others have of you as a person, as a human being, as a company. If you've ever had a Yelp review you wish you could delete, that's your brand. You may not like it to be true, but it is. If you've ever looked in the mirror and said negative things to yourself, that's your personal brand. You may not like it to be true, but it is. If you want the opinion of others to change about you, change the opinion you have of yourself. If you want the opinion you have of yourself to change, change the narrative that you speak to yourself. If you want the opinion of the people who work for you to rise not only in your eyes but in their own, change the narrative of the way that you communicate to them. See them as a 10. Give them a fine reputation to live up to, and they will. Your personal brand and your corporate brand are all driven by the narrative that you tell. Leaders know that we can't live or die on the opinions of others. If that were true, we would all be headed for a dark end. And you find that people who live on the opinion of others only, many of them face horrible depression and worse. But instead, we need to understand that we have the power as leaders, as strong communicators, to manage the narrative that changes the expectation. And that changes the opinion we have of ourselves, the opinion that others have of us. And that, my friends, is your brand. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.